mental health belongs to all of us. No one owns mental health. We're all in this together. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. It's your host, Eileen. Today, we're talking all about mental health and psychology. With us today is our guest, Dr. Ali Matu. So Ali and I met at the YouTube space in LA, and we were both speakers on this YouTube wellness panel. And we connected back then. Fast forward to a couple months ago, I'm browsing Netflix as usual, and I come across this suggested thing called Netflix, The Mind Explained. And you know how Netflix plays those previews and on the preview was Dr. Ali Matu speaking and it was one of those moments where I'm like oh my god I know that guy oh my god (laughs) and I thought that was so cool and I was so proud to see him on there and so I messaged him like hey Ali come on my podcast please and here we are so Dr. Ali Matu is a licensed clinical psychologist and host of The Psych Show a YouTube channel featuring quality mental health videos that are fun to watch easy to understand and free to all through YouTube he teaches a global audience how to use psychological science to achieve their goals. He's also the expert on Netflix, The Mind Explained, HBO's Doctor Commentaries, and A&E's The Employables. Hello, Dr. Ali. How are you doing? Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. Hi, Aline. I am good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about mental health. And what you do is so cool because you make so many videos that educate. I was wondering, why did you start making videos on YouTube? Because <laughs> you're a clinical psychologist right. and, and you practice, right? Right, right. Well, it's it's kind of a funny story and it's a little embarrassing too because it, it shows how uh ignorant I was of YouTube. But to make a long story short, back in 2014, I was working with this teenage patient. And I think she was dealing with some anxiety or depression stuff. I don't remember specifically what she was dealing with. But she showed me this video. She was like, hey, um, Ali, I want to show you this video. It really helped me. It's helping me to kind of change my habits. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let me let me watch it. And she showed me this YouTube video that I thought was like, not really giving her the best advice but it was a video that had like thousands and thousands of views and it was super relatable and then I was like okay okay hold on let me let me find another video for you that I think will better address the stuff that you and I are working on and I tried to find something from like another therapist and everything I found were like these one or two hour long like lectures that were like that like I didn't even want to watch Eileen I was like not interested in that so um, I was telling my wife all of this and she was like well you know what you have to do is you have to make that video for her now and that's when I started to kind of explore what YouTube was and realize that YouTube isn't just this place where you go to watch movie trailers it's this place where people are creating content that educates inspires entertains and that's how my channel the sex show was born i love that because you're really filling a need so many people are searching how to fix their problems online and youtube is the Mm -hmm. second biggest search engine after google so 
mm-hmm. they're bound to land there. I'm curious, what was the bad advice from the video? So many people ask me that. Yeah. Uh, like, and I honestly don't remember. I wish I could find that video. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what I think it was is uh, this is something that happens in mental health a lot is people give personal advice that help them but oh, might yeah. not necessarily help everyone else. Like it, even if you think about uh, like one of my specialties is anxiety, there's some coping skills that will help one person but for another person that exact same coping skill might make their anxiety worse so i think it was something like that it wasn't necessarily that it was horrible advice but it just wasn't good advice for my patient given where they were in their life so i think it and and it didn't give that caveat so i think it was something like that i i so wish i could like find that video and like revisit it and be like what was it that kind of rubbed me the wrong way but i honestly don't remember yeah i mean knowing that because i make videos on self-help and it blends Mm -hmm. into mental health and obviously i'm not clinically like i didn't study this you having the education and knowing that it's not a one-size-fit-all approach. How do you approach your videos? Because you're like, this might help some people. It might not help others. Yeah. It's hard, right? Right, right. And like, that's one of the things that I've thought a lot about is I don't own mental health. Like, it is not... Mm-hmm. Like, I might be a clinical psychologist and I'm a therapist, but mental health belongs to all of us. And the times that you've yeah. talked about mental health, I, I actually love that. And I so appreciate it because you're able to do stuff that I can't. And we need like more discussions about this kind of stuff. So like what I have to do and what I try to do is have something that is like watchable, something that's actually like yeah. interesting to watch, number one. Um, hopefully a little entertaining because I... I really want to mm-hmm. celebrate mental health. I don't want it to be this serious, staunchy subject. I want it to be fun and interesting. And number three is I want to make it really speak to the best that we know of from research and science, but also my personal experience treating these problems. So it's it's all of that. I want it to be like watchable and a YouTube video, not like an hour-long lecture a little entertaining, yeah. fun, and hopefully something that honors what is known in science and research. And what what's hard for me about that and why I want more voices on mental health on YouTube is sometimes people ask me questions and they're like those questions haven't been addressed in research. And I I can't give a good answer mm. to that. And then I don't make those videos because the moment I make those videos, some of my colleagues might say, Hey Ali, there's like, what are you talking about? Like this is uh, like, so, so you kind of have limits right. because you are a doctor. Totally. And those limits oh. are super frustrating, but yeah. that's also part of, part of my, uh, my journey here on YouTube is I have to I have to know what I can talk about and what I can't talk about. And when there's that gap, mm. I really rely on other people in the community to talk about that. Like one good example of that is mm-hmm. there's this issue called uh, misophonia. It's when you have a hatred of certain sounds, like when people are chewing or they're talking in a certain way. Yeah. And this is such a new thing in the mental health world that we don't even have 
agreed upon definitions of what it is. Like all that research is really new. So Mm -hmm. I made a video about this and I sort of made the video saying like, we don't really know much about it, but here's some ideas that we have. And there's so many comments I get on that video, like every day people are commenting on this video and saying, we need stuff that works. Tell me what works. And I don't have a good answer for Mm -hmm. them because there's, there's nothing really in the research that shows what works for this or not. And in those kind of situations, I rely so heavily on people who experience this thing to make content about it that can help the community Mm. because I don't have much to offer on that. And if I did say stuff like do this or do that, then my colleagues are like, Oli, what are you doing? Right. It's it's so interesting. I didn't realize that because of because you're a doctor, there are certain things you can say and some things you can't say. And then for example, me, someone with no certification whatsoever, I can say how I feel about things. Yes. But but that's why I need people like you who actually have the the research and the scientific backing. So you need both. You, you need, need everyone. Both. And yeah. that's that's kind of why we're here. Like that's <laughs> why I love having these conversations because Like, again, no one owns mental health. We're all in this together. And the more voices there are talking about this from different perspectives, different backgrounds, all of that is going to help us move this conversation forward. Yeah. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the self-care trend that's been happening? I mean, I think it's good Mm. for mental health, but at the same time, it's become very commercialized in a way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's something I've been thinking a lot about is like what actually is self-care because it's so many different things. And I'd be really curious to to get your thoughts on this, too. Like what exactly does self-care mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's and it also kind of speaks to like how a lot of mental health is getting more commercialized, too, which I've yeah. got a lot of mixed feelings about. Yeah. I think it's great that we are talking more about self-care. One of the things that I think is great about it is it, it, I don't know, I think it makes it a little bit easier to talk about mental health topics without it feeling like we're talking about mental health. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel like mental health is just for people who are mentally ill, quote unquote, mentally Mm -hmm. ill, or who have a diagnosable problem. But like, again, mental health is for everyone. Everyone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just like your health. Like you don't have to have diabetes to be concerned about your health and your physical activity and all that sort of stuff. Same thing with mental health. So I think it's moving these conversations and making them a little bit easier to have because we all need to think about self-care and how we treat ourselves and what are some of the daily practices we have. The problem, Mm -hmm. I think, and this kind of gets to what you were talking about it with being a little bit more commercialized too. Yeah. I think sometimes self-care can feel like just do this one thing Mm -hmm. or buy buy this one. Yeah. Right. Right. Or like have your one spa day. Like I love going to the (laughs) spa. It's like, when I'm traveling, it's the thing I want to do because I'm, I'm usually traveling alone for work, for doing some kind of talk or something. And I like just taking a, like a half day and just kind of like zoning yeah. out, being in the sauna, like all totally. that kind of stuff. Right? Like, oh, it feels so good. But that's also not practical on a daily basis same thing with like buying a product or doing this one thing like self-care it's both it's both the big and the small it's Mm -hmm. it's like treating yourself every now and then when you can afford it when you have the time it's also 
what are the daily things that you should be doing in your life to be getting a little bit more sleep, get, getting better quality sleep, taking care of your physical activity for people like you and me. I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> but like yeah. I spent like I spent like three hours sitting continuously yesterday just editing a video like yeah that's not good i'm sitting all the time (laughs) right right. i know it's not good but right yeah like my watch is telling me to stand up because i've been sitting down Uh, for so long that's not good self-care so it's like the big and the small and the thing that i think Mm -hmm. gets often left out in this conversation it's also the worlds that we live in so like the 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 schools that we go to or the organizations we work for like how are they treating us what are the things in those environments that are making it easier for us to take care of ourselves or not so yeah i could talk about self-care for so long oh my gosh i don't know but like what do you think I know. like what 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 is self-care for you i mean self-care for me is it's like you said the big and the small it's like remembering to give back to myself the things that make me happy like like meditating exercising eating healthy journaling because my mind is always thinking a thousand things and I need to some way to organize it and get it out and I think the trend is good but it is I want our our listeners to recognize when you know brands are using self-care to like sell you something because you don't need to buy anything for self-care self-care is just the thought of thinking of yourself I think because in previous generations they were Mm. very selfless and although self being selfless does have its good qualities you know you can you can get burnt out and give too much of yourself totally. so i think yeah we're just kind of like before it was very heavily towards like being selfless and now we're moving heavily towards self-care and i think so, somewhere around the middle is is good i i 100 agree and one yeah. of the topics that often comes up in my work with people is you got to take care of yourself before you can take yeah. care of anyone else and oh, for sure. This comes up with like friendships when someone might be struggling in a friendship or with a sibling, family, parents, children. So many of us take on so much and then don't take care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. if that happens, you're going to burn out. And it's it's that analogy from flying in an airplane. And they always say, like, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on someone else. Yeah. It's it's the same thing in life. If we don't if we don't think about ourselves, then we aren't going to be able to help anyone else. Yeah. And I also want to note that taking on stuff, we're not just talking about physically taking on, we mean like mentally taking on burdens and stress. Maybe you're like holding in a secret that, you know what I mean? Something heavy that's weighing you down. Yeah. 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 And that's why I love you mentioned journaling Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a practice. It's a habit. It's a ritual like meditation too. These are things that we do on a regular basis to focus in on ourselves, to take care of ourselves. And that's something all of us need to figure out. What are the rituals, the habits that are going to be helpful for us to take care of ourselves and think of ourselves? Like what I just yeah. moved from New York to California. And one of my self-care routines in New York was to go on a walk. Like I, it, like mm-hmm. going to walk and like not listen to anything, which is really hard for yeah. me to do. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
so awkward. So, yeah, like, <laughs> no noise. Yeah, nothing to focus right, on. Right, right. It's just me and my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty scary yeah. idea. But um, yeah. like, I also I, I get into this weird thing of like, I need to feel productive. So I need to like listen to a podcast mm-hmm. or an audiobook or like listen yeah. to some downloaded YouTube videos and like walk and listen to that. But for me, one of the best self-care things has been, okay, I'm just going to like walk for half an hour and just mm-hmm. kind of observe the in- environment and, and be in my mind and this sort of like walking mindful exercise yeah. and ritual, right? Yeah. And for me, one of the big struggles now, having moved from New York to California, is there's just less opportunities for me to do that. Like there's mm-hmm. like less walking <laughs> opportunities. Totally. Like, it's much more of a car yeah. culture. So <laughs> for me, I'm trying to figure out how do I recreate that habit here in a way that makes sense but it it's about those rituals that we do on a regular basis that help us to take care of ourselves yeah there are two things i want to talk to you about you can let me know which one you're more excited about you say you're like an expert in dealing with anxiety and you seem like you have a crazy Mm -hmm. mind i have a crazy mind too so i want (laughs) to i want to know how do we deal with that like anxiety (laughs) overthinking but i also want to talk about social media on our mental health because like how dangerous oh, that yeah. is and how to be healthy. So which one would you rather tackle oh, first? Man. I can, uh, why are you giving me this choice? Because I want to okay. talk about both. Which one first? Um, how about that? Well, let's okay. talk about ourselves because uh, yeah. we're YouTubers. <laughs> we talk about ourselves <laughs> a lot. Like one of the things that drew me to working with anxiety is my own mind. Totally. 100%. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, when I was like a little bitty kid, when I went to kindergarten, um, I did not speak. Like it's it's a problem called selective mutism, where in certain situations you're just mute. It's like someone pressed the mute button. Oh wow! And that was me in kindergarten. So the the funny thing here is, and it also shows like the difference in time. Like they thought I didn't speak English because I didn't speak, and so they put me in ESL. When, Mm. like, I completely Mm. spoke English, but, like, I just was, I I would just freeze. Mm. And they kicked me out of ESL because they they figured out that I knew what they were talking about because one of the teachers was making fun of the other kids, and I, like picked up on it it's like horrible like part of the story it's like there's a lot of levels of horribleness but that was like me Mm. as a kid in kindergarten and that slowly evolved into social anxiety and then I totally dealt Mm. with like depression stuff too in middle school but anxiety was a big big part of my childhood I had a really good teacher in high school who sort of helped me through a lot of this stuff And it's what got me interested in working with anxiety and helping other people about it. So, yeah, I definitely have a loud brain. It is definitely thinking a lot of things. And one of the things that my brain likes to do is imagine that I can mind read. Like when I'm going into social situations or even like making a video, honestly, (laughs) I'm already thinking about how people are going to judge it. And I have to... Right, like, does this happen to you? Like, where you're already like, oh, well, people are going to think this is dumb or this is stupid. I shouldn't make that. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it's about noticing that and drawing from experiences I've had to help me help me to take the more courageous path in 
facing that fear. Um, It's something I talk about with my patients a lot, that the definition of courage is not to be fearless. Like what courage means is to experience fear and still do the thing Mm. that is making you scared. Love it. And so for me, it's about that. It's about noticing these thoughts and moving forward in a courageous way. Um, Easier once you've had these experiences to draw from. But um, yeah, I totally have this loud brain. Yeah, it it sounds like something you and I share in common. (laughs) Yeah, just active minds. (laughs) And then about social media on our mental health, because I know Mm. everyone deals with this, not just content creators, but just, you know, how do you personally keep a healthy mind being a content creator on social media? Honestly, it is something I struggle with a lot. And one of the reasons why I think I struggle with it is because the technology is always changing. Mm -hmm. Like it's what the way Instagram and Facebook, uh, even YouTube and now TikTok, the way they all work has changed so much over the last few years. Um, And most of these technologies are also built to keep you plugged in like the example that is uh, usually discussed about this is with snapchat there was this feature called snapchat uh, snapchat streaks where right like if you've been it's a game exactly Mm -hmm. exactly like if you've been dming with people you you build the streak and you don't want to build you don't want to break the streak Um, that feature was put in there just to keep you plugged into the app and yeah. Something else that all of these apps share in common is they have an endless scroll. Like you'll never reach yeah. the bottom of Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Like it always goes. And yeah. um, you compare that with like the New York Times app. It stops when you reach the bottom. And yeah. when things like that stop, it's just easier to be like, oh, okay, I'm done. But if there's an endless scroll, it just kind of keeps you plugged in. So a lot of these companies have gotten really good at building apps that keep you plugged in. And like with YouTube too, like um, yeah. YouTube's really good at recommending other content. And um, YouTube wants us to create content that keeps people plugged in. So I, I think... Mm-hmm. The culture is changing a little bit where companies are realizing we need uh, we need to support time well spent. We need to support more healthier things. And so part of me feels like we invented the automobile and now we're slowly inventing the safety belt and airbags and stuff like that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like I, I think we'll be in a better place like in five to 10 years. But um, in the meantime, we still have to like take care of our of our health and and be healthy in these platforms. So uh, what do I do? Well, yeah. one thing is, um, and this is really, really hard for me, but um, I've turned off most notifications except for really, really important ones. So on my phone right now, um, if someone texts me, I get a notification for that. And there's a few other mm-hmm. apps like I have a I have a young daughter and we have a, a, a child monitor at night. So that will notify me. Um, yeah. But like very few things will 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 um, set off a notification. And the reason for that is when you give an app permission to notify you, you're giving it permission to like interrupt whatever it is you're doing with information 
And I've turned mm-hmm. that off for Twitter. I've turned it off for Instagram. And I've turned it off for like uh, New York Times and all that sort of stuff because yeah. it's just um, I found that it was really, really hard for me to like be with people or to be doing work when I get like this horrible breaking news notification or I get... <laughs> Yeah, constantly. Yeah, interrupted. like it's not. It's like also like yeah. emotionally interrupting too, right? Like if I yeah, get yeah. if I get a a DM from someone, and it's like really nice and supportive, well, I might feel good, but I also get DMs that are like eh, not so supportive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally. I and, and yeah, so like there goes my afternoon, right? So yeah. one thing I try to practice myself, and I help try to help my patients with is really be principled about what app you're giving permission to notify you yeah. and the flip side to that is it doesn't mean I'm like off Instagram or off Twitter but when I'm on it I'm only on it for I, I try to really limit myself for yeah. a certain period of time and Eileen that's probably the hardest part for me is like, I mean these apps are designed right? to keep like, you on I, I would love your <laughs> tips like help me please let's make this about okay. me please help well, me <laughs> to to deal with my DMs in a healthy way because you go in Mm -hmm. and you do a little, but then I might have like, oh, I'm only going to do this for five minutes and then like half an hour has gone by. Yeah, it's hard, but I think the time limit is helpful. Like I tell myself, I'm going to just check Instagram for like 15 minutes or be on Instagram for 30 minutes and that's Mm -hmm. it for the day. Oh, I think Instagram, I turned on this like notification. You like, it'll tell you, oh, you've spent 30 minutes on Instagram. And then after I see, they added it because- Oh, cool. Yeah, so you can turn on like a limiting timer like that where they tell you how long you've been using it. So then you're like, okay, this is too much for today and you turn it off. Mm. And then for DMs, I don't know, Ali, I I don't answer all my DMs anymore and I don't feel bad about it Mm. anymore. I used to, but I think Mm -hmm. as a content creator, you get to a point where you're like, this is me giving my time out to, to too many different people. Like, like yeah. I need to take my time back for myself and focus on what's important for me. It's I think that's really good advice because you're like one of the things I'm hearing here is you're you're being intentional about it, right? Like you're you're yes. thinking about how to what's best for me, what what's best mm-hmm. for my health, and and all of that. And again, you can't you can't be a good content creator if you aren't taking care of yourself. Like you can't support yeah. your community if you're not supporting yourself. Like one of the things that I think is also challenging with all of these platforms is like personal and professional can get mixed up like you can get dms from friends but then also from like opportunities or Mm -hmm. like people you want to connect with so one of the things that i i try to do here with with my email too like email is something i struggle with um email and Mm -hmm. social media is have like set periods of of the day where i'm in it but i'm only in it for a certain period of time and and then when i'm out i'm out like i I try yeah. really hard to not leave my email and my Twitter and all of that stuff like open on my computer all day because if I do, I'm mm-hmm. going to get trapped in it. Yep. I got one more big thing about social media that has um, helped me is just to realize that the reality is a little bit different than what you see. So f- w- this there was this really cool study done a few years ago where they looked at like why do people why can people be mean to each other so much on the internet versus like real life 
like sometimes people will say like really horrible things to you online and you've never had someone like say that to you to your face like in person so what's the difference so they looked at they did this experiment where they looked at like is it eye contact is it anonymity not knowing who the person is is it um not no real name behind it is it no real profile pic all that sort of stuff and what they found was eye contact was the biggest predictor so if you have eye contact with someone else, that kind of puts on the brakes for a lot of the stuff from from saying horrible things. And the way the internet works right now is we, we just don't yeah. have that face-to-face interaction. So sometimes um, this even happened like a couple weeks ago where me and my one of my closest friends, we got into this big disagreement on our texts. And I had to remind myself this is probably because we're not looking at each other face to face. We're not having that type of conversation that humans have had for yeah. thousands of years. You know, So if you get mean stuff or if things are getting heated, mm-hmm. I remind myself that and then think about, okay, is this something I just want to walk away from? Or is this something I want to pick up the phone? Or is this something where I just want to talk to the person in person? That's something that I also try to think about. And I also try to remind myself like, I don't share everything about myself on social media. So if I see someone else sharing something really good, I don't know what the story is, like how hard they worked for that or like how many setbacks they've had, you know. So just remembering that kind of stuff helps me a lot when when I see tough stuff. Oh, definitely. Everyone is going through a struggle. They're just not posting it, you know. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to post your problems? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like you and I, if we were hanging out and having coffee, you might hear more of my struggles, but the culture is just not to do that on social media. So yeah, just we got to remind ourselves of this. You know, we're all human. Hi loves, let's take a break and talk about how to make 2020 your best year. As an artist of life, you have the power to envision and create the life you've always wanted. So as we enter a new decade, seize this opportunity to take action towards your dreams in 2020. To guide your year, I created the 2020 Artist of Life Workbook, a journal filled with 125 pages of questions and exercises to help you self-reflect, clarify your vision, set goals in all areas of your life, execute your goals, and track your progress monthly with sections on self-love overcoming fear habit tracking gratitude journaling and more the artist of life workbook keeps you accountable and guides your growth throughout the year it's a tool to keep you inspired motivated and organized helping you live your best life all the exercises within have personally helped me change my life for the better and i'm confident that they'll do the same for you to get started go to shop.lavendare.com to get your copy of the 2020 artist of life workbook Again, that's shop.lavendare.com. There's something I want to ask you because I've... Okay, so in... I think in American YouTube culture, it's more open to... Like, people are more accepting of you to be vulnerable and share your Mm -hmm. hardships and your struggles and what you're going through, right? Mm -hmm. I have a friend who... I think he lived in Japan for a while. And he understood in Japanese culture, what they do is they don't share their problems because when, when someone shares their problems, they put that burden onto the listener mm. and they they don't want to like burden the listener or they, they think it negatively impacts the people around them. So they like, because they're so caring and polite, they hold it mm-hmm. to themselves. And I think Asian culture and Western culture is different because of that. Totally. But what is your, what is your stance or what do you think about that? 
This is something else that I've been thinking a lot about because a lot of people in my community on YouTube are in Indonesia and Brazil and India. And I've been thinking about, you know, my so my background, my family immigrated from Pakistan. So I'm Pakistani-American. Like I was born and raised here, but like part of my family goes back to Pakistan. And like, even for me, being Pakistani American, like, I can't really make videos that speak to people who might be watching my content from Pakistan and India and stuff. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't understand that culture in the way that um, people who live there do. Um, I can barely even make content for people in the United States. <laughs> like, there's so many regional differences yeah. and cultural differences. So I think this is something that's really interesting because we're um, and it's not just YouTube and it's not just like content creators, but all of us are kind of living in this like global society where there are very different cultural norms depending on your background and where you live and the people you're interacting with. So I don't really know what we can do about that besides be good listeners and have conversations like that conversation that you had. I think is really eye-opening because that makes me think of like times where I've made videos where I am sharing some type of challenge I'm going through and how is that impacting people from different cultures, people who might be experiencing it in such a different way than I intended. A lot of times when I make videos like that, it's I'm following advice that I actually got from VidCon um, many years ago. I I was watching a, Mm -hmm. I forget who the YouTuber was, but there was this panel. I don't even remember what it was about, Eileen. It was a panel. And (laughs) one, um, one person asked this question, like, what do you do when you're not feeling good and you still want to put a video out, right? Yeah. And this panelist gave really Mm -hmm. good advice. Uh, I thought it was really good advice. And now I'm kind of rethinking it, which is, I mean, who, who knows? knows, right? And and like, you know, yeah. like, even if someone is from the same culture as you, they might have different life experience, which makes it, you know, they, they experience it differently. But the advice that that person gave is use it, use that difficult experience you're going through in a way that might help other people to make other people feel less yeah. alone or to help people to feel like validated or to share resources that might help someone else that is also going through this thing. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I like it. I think I think it's good advice and I also think it's like you know you you do the best you can mm-hmm. and then you listen. Mm-hmm. You listen to feedback and you listen to how people are experiencing this content, but it's like a really interesting, exciting, and scary thing that we live in, this like global community where like anyone from anywhere in the world can watch and experience and interact with you. That's exciting and scary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one Facebook question. We have a question from mm-hmm. Emma. She asked, do you have any advice for people interested in a career in psychology who personally also deal with mental health issues? Totally. This is a question that comes up a lot. And so my first response is you're talking to someone who has dealt with their own anxiety and their anxiety goes up and down over the course of their life. You're not perfect. No psychologist is perfect. Totally. 
totally. Yeah. None of us are. Um, we're all still affected by this stuff. The mm-hmm. thing that you have to uh, remember is, number one, you want to make sure that you are getting to a place where you know your stuff, how to deal with your stuff. You're able mm-hmm. to, you've got some context and perspective about it. So if you're interested in moving forward in psychology or in mental health, and there's so many different career pathways you can go down. Actually, my next few videos are about this. Um, next week, I'm going to, um, hopefully next week, I'm putting out this video about getting into the field of clinical psychology. So um, this is stuff that I've, I've got coming out soon. But um, if you're interested in going down this path, you want to have some context and perspective from your own struggles. So it shouldn't be just about your struggles. Like you shouldn't be wanting to get into this field just to treat your own problems. Hopefully you're at a place where you've got a little bit of context and distance from it so that you can focus on on helping other people too. So that's number one. Number two is it is going to give you empathy and understanding and it's going to make you a better therapist it's going to make you a better counselor or psychologist because you have this empathy and because you have this understanding and then the third thing i would say is one day once you finish all your school and all that sort of stuff and you're working um, in whatever type of job you have things might come up and you might you might struggle in some way. And in that kind of situation, you just have to know what your blind spots are. So for example, right now in my life, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier that I have a young daughter. If I'm working with someone who's dealing with really difficult stuff related to having young children, sometimes that stuff is just it hits too close to home. And that's, that's yeah. not good stuff for me to work on. And that's stuff that I need to have this person maybe work with someone else who... Is it because it's too personal that you're affected? Exactly. It might be too... Yeah, like when I was in grad school and I was doing a year training at this counseling center um, in Washington, D.C., I started working with this uh, freshman who just started college and was very homesick. And... At the time, I had just like recently moved from California to DC and I was super homesick. And there was a disconnect there <laughs> because the more she was talking about that stuff, the more overwhelmed I was feeling. And I think she saw that like oh, wow. we just weren't connecting. So she totally fired me. She like <laughs> she's like, I don't want to come back. I want like, you're not you're helping. not helping. <laughs> I want to work with someone else. Yeah. And yeah. I that was the time where I learned, oh, I'm going to have my blind spots. Like there's stuff that is, I'm not going to be appropriate to work on. That's and so, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing I would tell Emma is work on your stuff, get to a place where you have some context and then know what your blind spots are. And your blind spots will always change as your as your life changes. And that's okay. You don't have to be able to do everything. Yeah. This gets, Eileen, this gets back to self-care. It's about like checking in with yourself and knowing yourself, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So now let's move on to some rapid fire questions that I ask yes. all of our guests. Okay. Ali, what does your dream life look like? Oh, man. Making good stuff that helps people and keeps me keeps me challenged creatively. Like, I want to just make stuff that I get excited about 
and it helps other people. And I have no idea. Like maybe right now that means YouTube. Maybe like in 10 years, it's like some other thing that doesn't even exist Right. right now. But like... I want to make stuff for a lot of people. I love it. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Oh, there are so many, but <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give one that might be a little out of left field. There's a graphic memoir called Marbles. Okay. It's it's about this cartoonist who has bipolar depression. And it is one of the most beautiful stories about mental health that not only demystifies what depression is like, but it also demystifies what therapy is. It's a fun read. It's a short read. It's an easy read. And like a lot of people haven't heard of it. And it's amazing. So check out Marbles, uh, a memoir of uh, something, something, something by Ellen Ellen Forney is the author. Yeah. Marbles, a memoir. Awesome. What is one habit that has changed your life? The, The Pomodoro technique. I love it. All it is is you set a timer for 25 minutes and it is pure time that you work. You put your phone away, like not just in your pocket, you put it away, put it on do not disturb and you have committed for 25 minutes of pure work on the thing that you want to do. You close all the other windows and it's just you and that thing. 25 minutes is totally approachable. Any of us can do it. If it's too much, you can start a smaller amount of time, 15 minutes. Um, But that is what helped me to finish grad school. That is the thing that got me out of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it is so helpful. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? Get feedback from people who are good at that thing. So um, in other words, get comfortable with criticism from people you respect. Um, Yes. Like that is the number one thing that's helped me to to level up in whatever it is that I'm working on, whether it's YouTube and like just you and I talking before the podcast about like audio and yeah. microphones. Like it's that in a nutshell, like you yeah. just gave me a tip that I was like, whoa, um, okay. <laughs> I never even thought to do that. But like talk to people who are really good at the, this thing that you respect and get their feedback. Ask for criticism. It will help you grow. Yeah. The last one is finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is your relationships, your, the people that you care about, the people that you love, the people that love you, um, the people you want to spend time with. And even like in sadness, like I'm thinking about the girlfriend who dumped me junior year of high school. Like (laughs) even when, when times are tough, it's, it's really all about about people and we get sad because it meant something Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful that we can share those times in our life um even though people come in and out of our lives that time that we spend together it's 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 beautiful and that's what it's all about yeah totally and lastly where can we find you online go to youtube and type in the psych show that'll get you to me and that's my youtube channel and pretty much across social media i am alima2 a-l-i-m-a-t-t-u um spending a lot more time on instagram nowadays i'm really kind of enjoying it Mm -hmm. a lot more than i used to and then also on um, uh, on twitter a lot too so those are those are my homes um not so much on the facebook anymore i've got a facebook page but yeah yeah. like you know (laughs) i just love dm conversations because it 
like I like that a lot more than commenting because it feels a little oh. bit more like I don't know like they're listening to you yeah <laughs> it's more personal yeah yeah Awesome. So I'll link everything about Dr. Ali Matu in the show notes. You guys have to check him out. The Psych Show. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your knowledge. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everything you do, Eileen, on your show and on your different channels to keep this conversation going. I I love all the stuff that you're doing. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Ali Matu and make sure to check him out online on his YouTube and Instagram. So now let's wrap up with some key takeaways from our talk. So the first takeaway is self-care and how important self-care is. So self-care can mean different things to everyone. It really is just being aware that you need to take care of yourself and giving yourself whatever it is you need, whether it is journaling, meditating, walking outside, getting in touch with nature, things like that. And even though self-care has gotten so trendy and so commercialized, I don't think that it will ever really go out of style because it's just too important of a part of life and it's something that we have neglected in previous generations. And so I'm all for it. I really loved Ali's habit of walking and getting into the habit of just walking outside without listening to anything, without listening to a podcast or music, just you, yourself, your mind, in nature or just on the streets, wherever you can walk. And that is just such a great opportunity to quiet the mind, ground yourself, unplug from the digital world and detach yourself a little bit. I feel like we're constantly so plugged in that we need to take the time to detach and give ourselves a little bit of space. Go outside and don't bring your phone. It's crazy how like strange the idea is to like just take a walk outside without listening to anything, without stimulating your brain with something. It's so foreign to a lot of us who live in this social media world, but it's what humans naturally are supposed to do. You know, we have been doing that for thousands and thousands of years, walking outside without phones. And now it's like, man, we've really become so attached to technology and the internet. So sometimes you need a little space from that. I also really liked when Ali was talking about how courage is not about being fearless. Courage is about facing the fear. It's about doing the thing anyway, regardless of the anxiety you have, regardless of social anxiety or your overthinking mind or whatever is blocking you. Courage is just to make yourself get up and do that thing anyway. All right, that's it for today. Sending you guys so much love. Please take care of your mental health. Take care of yourself and you will be okay. Love you. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye. Bye.